Hey, sports fans, this is the Greg Medford Show, and I'm Greg Medford, your host. Instead of being at the factory in our studio in Phoenix, Arizona, this weekend we're coming at you from the Atlanta Blade Show 2023 out here in Atlanta, Georgia. We've been talking to knife makers, leather crafters, horse whisperers, uh, dog humpers, the whole nine yards. We've had everybody in here. Uh, today we're going to dial it back a little bit. Now, I don't have any wild turkey on the table, but I did. We'd hit a shot, but um, we're going to do a little vet talk. So. Uh, Max Mullins, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, doing real good there, Greg. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, what got you here to Blade Show today? Well, I live local. I live uh, in Fayetteville, Georgia, and I normally come out to the Blade Show every year. I love knives. You know, from a martial arts background, I just love knives, anything edge blades. What kind of martial arts you do? Well, um, I study um, I study Kali, uh, Kali, Wing Chun Kung Fu, Praying Manage Kung Fu, uh, Taekwondo, uh, Little Muay Thai. And so, you know, those arts right there. I haven't gotten into jujitsu. Wu Tang, Dan Nang, you know all that stuff, yeah. right? What did Eddie Murphy say? So, you've done a bunch of martial arts and obviously uh, did a whole career in the Army? Yeah, I served 26 years in the Army, um, retired in 2002. Now, I did most of my service in the Army Rangers. Okay. Where, you mind, are you able to tell us where you went around the world? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I, I served, I, I did three tours over in Korea. Okay. And I served in uh, the Ranger Battalions, and I served in all three of the Ranger Battalions. Um, first and Seventh Fifth Ranger um, Battalion at Fort Stewart, oh, well, Hunter Army Airfield, Georgia. I served the Second Ranger Battalion up at Fort Lewis, Washington. Third Ranger Battalion at Fort Benning, Georgia, along with the Seventh Fifth Ranger Regiment Headquarters at Fort Benning, and also the Range Instructor at Fort Benning from two eras when it was just a Ranger, the Benning Ranger Department, then a plank holder when it became the Ar uh, Army Ranger Trainer Brigade. Okay. So, so it's been a pretty fun career. All right. Anywhere else around the world you've been? Uh, I did three tours. Like I did, I said I did three tours in Korea. Uh, my second tour in Korea I had the opportunity to serve on the DMZ. Okay. Uh, we did rotations up there, and uh, I had the opportunity to serve um, up there on the Z uh, at that Golf Post Olet and Golf Post Collier. At that time, you had units that rotated up there for 90 days at a time, so... I had a designated rifle, uh, designated rifle um, section, which was like a sniper section. Yep. And so we manned the guard posts, and we also escorted the grunts when they did their patrols, uh, day and night patrols also. And uh, that was one of the best tours. At the time, they awarded what they called the MGM Scout Badge for service up on the DMZ. And then my third tour was a little bit different. You know, things changed a lot. You know, after the Olympics, it grew so much that you didn't have the training footprint like you used to have back yep. in the day before that. And uh, I've been down to JLTC, General Operations Training Center, three times, uh, six times. Where's that at? Uh, that's down in Panama. It's no longer there, you know, Panama closed. Yeah. And um, Fort Sherman was probably the best jungle school the Army ever had. Uh, it, it, it closed down when they turned it over to the, uh, to the Panamanians. They closed all the bases down. And um, that was stellar jungle training. Now they do the jungle training over in Hawaii, which isn't what you call real jungle. Real jungle is Panama. Yeah, that's real jungle. And also, uh, I did training up in Alaska. You know, I went up yep. there to the Northern Warfare Training Center. Well, I was instructor certified as a uh, Art of Warfare instructor. Okay. That's when I was serving when I was serving at um, the Ranger Battalion. All right. Uh, went over to England, been to France, Germany. Uh, never had a chance to serve. Um, I got out in 2002, so I was what you call a GWAT, Global War on Terrorism, when they started going to Afghanistan, Iraq. But I did do a combat jump into Grenada to rescue the students. We did a combat jump at 500 feet back in 83 to rescue the students. Yep. You probably remember that was when they had the Marine barracks bombing. Yep. 
you know, so we deployed at the same time, and they had one of the Marine Muse on his way there, and yep. he got diverted to go back to Grenada, while first and second battalion we jumped in to help secure the island. So that right there uh, was one of the pivotal things, I think, that really propelled us into, you know, the JSOC and SOCOM era. Um, what do you, uh, when you're up here, are you, uh, are you involved in the knife business at all, or are you just a, a lover of all edged things? I'm just a lover of all edged things, you know, uh, the fantasy blades, um, just the survival knives, swords. And if, if you, I, I call the blade show the shot show of edge weapons. You know, that's the best way to describe it. And um, this is probably one of the best ones I've seen, you know, because the last couple of years, COVID hit. Yeah. And it was nothing but a shadow of itself, but now it's like unbelievable. A lot of new knives, uh, uh, a lot of vendors out here. I'm having a great time. So you got out when in 02, is that what you said? I got out in 2002, that's correct. Mm. All right. How, how old are you? I'm 65. God damn, you look good for 65. <laughs> So uh, you got out in 02. God, that's 21 years ago. Man, it's for God's crazy, sake. man. It seems like only yesterday. I'm serious. <laughs> oh. it, it seems like only yesterday. I was telling somebody the Gulf War was that I was in was closer to Vietnam yeah. than we are to the Gulf War. Yeah, no, that's... Um, it's kind of crazy to think about. It is. Uh, I was a ranger instructor during the Gulf War. They, yeah. only, they only deployed one company of rangers over there. They helped. You know, they were looking for the scuds. They let us go yeah. hunting and looking at some of the radar sites, but... Man, it's hard to believe, man. We were at war for almost 20 years. Yeah, crazy. crazy. Yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. When the Gulf War popped up, I had gone to OCS, and I was in college. And I dropped out of college to lose my officer contract wow. to get forced back in the infantry so I could go. Because I said to myself in 1990, I said, man, we haven't had a war since Vietnam. There'll never be a war. There may never be a war again. Yeah. I don't want to miss anything. I better go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, within a few years, we've been involved two decades of nonstop war in two countries. And I, I tell these young soldiers, I said, you, know, you got to be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You know, and I, and I tell them, you will see war. If you stay in long enough, you will see a conflict. And now um, with the the, 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 the way the current situation now with China and Russia, we're living in some strange times that it can happen at any time. Yeah. What's uh, crazy is... You know, as you get older, you find out, man, there's almost, there's very little time between wars. Yes, yeah. That's boom, actually boom, boom. the truth. It is, it is. <laughs> it's, it is. We may not be having the global conflicts like we used to, but it seems like we have war all, all pretty often. Yeah, something's going on around the world, and somehow we always get involved in it, yeah. you know, one way or another. Yeah. I, I, I've been, um, as I've gotten older, I look back retrospectively, and I, I think... We've almost gotten nothing from all of our conflicts except dead friends yeah. and uh, and a lot of money and blood spent. And I feel like somebody is pushing us into this stuff because they're making money. You, you, you take a look at the, you know, um, I came in in 76, right? I came in in 76. You know, as you know, that was a, a hundred year centennial of our country. And when I came in in 76, you know, my goal, I wanted to be a soldier. I, I believe I was born to be a soldier. And uh, the crazy thing about it, I lived on Okinawa back in 1963. And uh, my dad, he was in the Army, so I was a dependent on Okinawa. Five years. I remember it vividly. And I remember when the first Special Forces Group was there. And I remember when the 173rd Airborne Brigade stood up on Oki. And um, the, the thing about when it stood up, they were like the fire brigades. And I remember um, as, as a dependent child there, I remember they hooked me up to like a little suspension traverse parachute. 
And I remember the jump instructor said, when you go down, you holler Geronimo, and that left a footprint in my heart to be a soldier. And little did I know, uh, the 173rd deployed to Vietnam in 64. They fought at the Battle of Dacto, the Operation Junction City, uh, major battles, and they never returned back to Oki. And I had the opportunity um, last month, they had the anniversary, they had the reunion of some of these 173rd veterans at Fort Benning. And I said, I made it a mission to link up with those guys. And I brought them together and I said, hey, I just wanted to say thank you to you guys because I was a young man, I was five years old, when you guys stood up on Okinawa, they were absolutely shocked and stunned. And I would say it's veterans such as you that made me into the soldier I am today. And what really touched me, one of the veterans came up and hugged me and said, you know what, when we came back from Vietnam, we didn't have a, we, didn't, we weren't given a, a good welcome. He said, you gave us a welcome what you just said, and he hugged. And so it was very humbling that they have a memorial there. They'd stand there naming the names of their friends, just kids that lost their lives over there in Vietnam. And uh, one of the men said that, hey, this guy here, um, he, he walked point on my birthday. And he said, I'll walk point for you. He said two minutes later, he got killed in an ambush and he put into his name. So that that's, uh, uh, his birthday is like a holiday for him every day. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of stories, a lot of people. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. What uh, are, are are you still connected with anybody who still serves, or has it been long enough now you're kind of separate? It, it's been long enough I separated my daughter. She's in the Navy. I'm oh yeah, proud of her. Um, she she wanted to join the Army. Then it's not the same Army Daddy served. In. What's she doing in the Navy? Uh, she's a, she's a corpsman uh, uh, up at Bethesda Naval oh, cool. Hospital. Okay, so she's doing great things, and I'm proud of her. Yeah, yeah. I got a hard time. Uh, my kids, you know, I got a 17 year old, a 14 year old. Yeah. What do you think, Pop? And I go, I don't know, man. I don't think the country's earning it right now. You don't get your, they don't get your blood. If someone's coming ashore, that's a different deal. But if, yeah. if it's Ukraine and China and Taiwan, not, not interested. Yeah, these senseless wars, that's what I call it. You senseless. Know, um, you know, we, we have no business getting involved in it. You know, as far as like Ukraine, we don't. What, why? For what? I mean. Right. Uh, Ukraine is Ukraine. Yeah. You know, what what have you done since you retired? Do you do anything professionally? Well, um, right right now I do a number of things. You know, uh, do do some acting, uh, do a lot of speaking engagements. You know, motivational speaking, um, speaking at different events, and um, just just a number of things. Where would some? Where would might we have seen you out there acting? What kind well, of acting? Uh, I was on <laughs> I was on two episodes of SWAT. Um, season one and season two, you know, but I was mostly running with the group. You know, background, background kicking down line. doors? Yeah, kicking down doors. Okay. You know? uh, I was in Texas Zombie Wars. Um, that was an independent film. That was on, it was on Netflix for okay. a minute, but, you know, it, it is, it's no longer on Netflix now. Yeah. And I was on the um, a web series called Black, the web series. They made it into a full-scale <laughs> What movie. was it called? Black. Black. It was called Black? Black, right. That's the whole series? It's, it's called the series. And what it, it was a crowdfunded series, right? And the first season of it, it won the Hollywood Awards, right, for Best Action Adventure, won the uh, Miami Film Festival Award, won the Army Service Award, and also won the Montreal Film Festival Awards, season one. Why was it called Black? Black Ops? Yeah, black, black Ops. Okay. It, it's basically about a, a CIA operative, you know, uh, starring Mikel Vega. And it's almost like uh, 24. Okay. You know, real fast-paced action, back-to-back, boom, boom, cool. boom. And it was a fun project. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've seen. You were in during some interesting years. We have seen 
a crazy um, way of seeing. Where did you grow up? I grew up, my, my father was in the Army, so I grew up everywhere, right? So uh, In the South? Uh, I was born in Fort McClellan, Alabama, in Anderson, Alabama. Okay. So um, I was raised doing the 60s and things, the 60s and yep. 70s, 80s and 90s. Yep. So I have a pretty good respect of the things. So what the state of things right now is kind of crazy. Yeah. And uh, I, you know what's funny? When, when I was coming up, I knew there had been big racial stuff before me. I was aware. You know, I'm, right. aware, I'm a pretty aware guy. But I didn't see much of it. Now, I'm not black, obviously, either. But I was in an infantry uh, company. Not too many black guys in an infantry company in the Marine Corps. But when I was in boot camp, it was really the first time I'd been around a lot of black guys. Right. There was, I don't know, it was <laughs> probably half or three-quarters black guys when, when I went through boot camp. And uh, I got along really well. with It was like almost kind of a non-event. Uh, but I was the only white guy that would be asked to come hang out with black guys. And I was like, why is that? They're like, because you just say whatever's on your goddamn crazy mind. Blue-eyed soul, brother. What's that? Blue-eyed soul, brother. <laughs> yes. So I guess my question to you is, you've, it, you know, you've, you're living through a span that is clearly post-Jim Crow mm -hmm. to this current strange reality I'm not sure about right now. And it's hard, you know, in... 20, 30 years from now, we're going to look back at this moment and we'll have a better picture of it. Right. It seems crazy to me right now. How is it for you? What's your perspective? Well, my, my perspective is this. You know, people ask me about racism. You know, racism has been around since man walked this earth. Yeah. With Cain and Abel. Racism sure. has been around. It's not going anywhere soon, right? And racism is basically, is taught. It's not inherited, right? And um, what, what happens is, a nation divided, the people divided will never come together, right? As long as they keep divided. And a lot of this stuff is generated, you know, this race baiting and things like that. It's creating. It's, it's creating, right? And to me, racism is a lot worse now than it was growing up in the 60s and 70s. That's what I feel. It, it, it's a lot but, worse, right? But I'm like, is that just because I'm uh, protected in my little white privilege, or is that real? Because it seemed to me like it wasn't an issue when I was younger. It, it wasn't an issue. And the reason I say that, right, um, like, for instance, Ocala, Florida, right? Um, Ocala, Florida, that's where most of my people come from, Ocala, Florida. I remember going down there in the 60s, you go to the black side of town, it was really prosperous. I mean, uh, the, the store was black owned, you know, the gas station was black owned, you know, um, you had the white section of town, but that's just how it was back in the days, right? But the black community was real prosperous. Um, my, my, my grandmother had a farm, we had cows and everything, everything was nice and clean. You know, no subsidies, well, none of this welfare. It's a vibrant community. But you look back now, it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, it's just like um, it went south in a handbasket, right? And then as, then, as I was growing up, you have these um, these leaders, right? These so-called civil rights leaders. and nothing but race baiters. You know, the Jesse Jacksons, the Al Sharptons. They want to keep this stuff going, you know? And uh, like Al Sharpton, this dude, you know, he has no credibility whatsoever. You know, you remember Tawana Broadley. He goes up there, you know, and wind up with being alive. Lives are destroyed, and what are you going to say? Oh, my bad, my mistake, and they get away with it. You know? So, are are you? Would you say you're a conservative? Yeah, I'm. I'm conservative. Yeah. Um, is the uh, is that when, when you get together with the uh, in-laws in the holidays? Does that uh, does that set you apart from everywhere, or do you have a pretty conservative family? Oh, it sets apart. It, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it get crazy. And uh, when when people talk about conservatives, right? Uh, I don't. You know, I don't push my conservative on everybody. I said, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, a, 
it, there's a balance, right? I respect everybody's opinion and things like that. But it's certain things like the race baiting and keep the people divided, yeah. right? Um, for instance, um, the, you know, all that, they talk about, you know, white supremacy. What? KKK. Where? I never... I yeah. never seen the KKK burning down anything. I mean, well, I don't see them marching and stuff. Yeah. But they keep throwing all this stuff out. You know, this incendiary bother. Where is it? I don't see it. Right. You know, I hear a lot of arguments from that are being recycled from the 1950s. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, look, the march at Selma, all of those things, those are real things that happened, but they made a bunch of progress and changed our culture. We have made tremendous progress. Yeah. Tremendous progress, right? People... Um, for instance, they, they try and get me. They said, "Max, you ever faced any racism in the military?" Hell yeah, I faced it. Sure. Yeah, I did. Right? Sure. But I had a choice. I can be a plate of victim, or they did me wrong. They did this right, or I can stand up and rise above it. Right. Yeah. And I, besides, racism, you deal with those individuals. It's not a you can't put a blanket on everybody. So right. you deal with the individuals, right? Right. So those ones I had a problem with, and so they said, "But, but, but," I said, "Look, if it was racism, I wouldn't be in the Ranger Hall of Fame." Right. You know, I was elected to the Hall of Fame, so I'm going to sit there and play the, the, the victim. I said, there's many opportunities for any nationality to raise up above right. in the military. You know? Yeah, I think people also forget, I, I think a lot of people are just, uh, they're ignorant to the fact that no matter what color you are, let's say to make general, let's right. say to make the Hall of Fame, to make president, there are a million people on the way who are going to step on your throat trying to keep you back. Absolutely. Everybody Absolutely. who makes it to the top has dealt with somebody pushing them down, whether it's they don't like you or or you're black or, or you're fat. Nature. Yeah, right, for yeah. whatever. Or, or you're a big mouth and they don't like you, whatever. Uh, and a persistent one hits that and just right. goes, I keep going forward, you know? You know here's something that's amazing. I, I, I live here in the South, right? I, I love it down here in Georgia. And Georgia is rich in military history, right? Yep. You have national battlefields all over the place. Yeah. Just in my community, right? You had the Battle of Jonesboro, which was the pivotal battle of Sherman breaking the neck of the Siege of Atlanta, right? In Jonesboro, right? I live no more than 10 miles from Jonesboro. There's this sign that said, at this point, General Sherman started his march to the sea. Right across the street's a QT gas station. To the left is a, a, a strip mall. Across the street, some apartments. But that Highway 85 was a line where over 3,000 Union and Confederate soldiers died right there. And I could take any kid in that neighborhood and say, hey, take me. you know what happened here? You wouldn't have the foggiest idea. You right. wouldn't have no idea what happened here, right? And that shows you history. Then there was a, a museum where they had one of the last battles in, um, in Jonesboro and Lovejoy. And it had a museum had Confederate artifacts, rare artifacts, that Confederate battle flag. Some, some city councilman got triggered because the Confederate battle flag up in there. So you know what? They removed all the exhibits from the museum. And so it cheated all those kids from seeing history that happened in their backyard. Yeah. And so that's what burns me about this stuff. You know? And you know, as soldiers, uh, I, you know, I'm a veteran also, and I was an infantry guy. Um, the right doesn't always win. Now, in the, in, in the case of the Civil War, right. it ended up working out right. But in history, the winner writes the history, right? That's true, yeah. And uh, it, those soldiers who were fighting in the Civil War for the South, mm -hmm. they were not plantation owners. Yeah, only 4% of the population owned slaves. These, these were guys like 
they were like guys like you and just, me. Just regular people, They were right? guys like you and me. You, you had, you know, brother against brother. Families were split. You had classmate against classmate. You I, know, I, I hate the erasing of the history. It's, and it, exactly. it doesn't mean I want to get, it doesn't mean I want the South to rise again. I want the South to rise right. again as part of the United States. Right. Not, not, not the other way. Uh, not in the redneck way, right? Right. But uh, to erase the, honestly, the gallantry of Southern effort of young men, even though the cause was wrong. Right. Uh, but they didn't pick the cause because I never picked any cause. I just fucking exactly. showed up and saluted and did my job. If you ever go to the Kennesaw, the Battle of Kennesaw, right? It's called the Battle of the Angle, right? Where over, I think over 6,000 Union soldiers lost their lives in one day. The Battle of the Angle. And you look at that battlefield, you look at that area, right? And you see people running, you know, jogging. And you say to yourself, did you realize what happened here? Right. The, 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 the death that happened in this spot? Yeah. You know, both Union and Confederate. And I tell people there are four laws that were passed, right, that granted the Confederate soldiers, you know, what President McKinley said, we must bring our nation back together. Right. And I encourage people to go on YouTube, look at the 1913 Gettysburg reunion. We had these old timers, Confederate oh. guys coming together, shaking hands, had black Union and Confederate soldiers there. Yeah. This is 1913. Well, listen, you mentioned it. I went to school at Gettysburg, yeah. and I used to go run in the fields there. And, uh, you know, the whole place is hallowed ground. Ooh. After it rains, I mean, you can find bullets and teeth on the ground. Uh, that place, it sunk into me deeply, the south and the north. Yes, yeah. Uh, and if you go look at the statues that are there now, you know, the northern Union statues are very traditional, um, general on the horse with the saber. Right. and. On the south, you see toes poking out of boots, and you see them falling in death. The the commemorative from the states that you know their boys all got killed. Yeah. It's to get rid of all of that because somebody in 150 years later is squeamish about the subject matter. It pisses me off because it, yeah. I think about Pickett's Charge. I oh, think yes. about those guys running into cannon fire, which no one ever asked me to do. It's ungoddamn believable. Yes, it is. And yes, they it did it. And you know what? Thousands of them did it. And uh, it it's sad. There are a lot of... The, the, the cause worked out the way it was supposed to, but right. there was a lot of soul, and to delete it is just a goddamn shame. And, and it's cheating our future generation, right? And and I, I tell these young kids, right? I, I tell them, I say, look, the, the, the South as we know it, it's not gonna rise again. This is America, right? But we cannot forget our past. We cannot forget what happened here, right? Yeah. And by them destroying these statues and stuff, we're no better than ISIS. It's racing history. It, and I said, you cannot judge the past on your prejudice of the future. You cannot do that. Because it's a muddied water because what happened then, at what happened then, you can't change that. We moved so much further, but we can't forget our past. You know, I, I, it's a, like, it's almost, um, if I talk to people from the other side of the spectrum, they seem like they don't even want to have a discussion anymore about things that make them uncomfortable. So now they're erasing history that is uncomfortable. Uh, in another hundred years, they're going to think we're a bunch of disgusting animals for using oil, maybe. Yeah. You know, at some point, you got to go, hey, at the time, this was pretty amazing. I've heard a lot of people bag on America, and I said, you know, we killed a quarter million of each other uh, liberating people. In Europe, they just waited for a king to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty amazing. 
And Greg, you, you know, you deployed too, right? You, yeah. you deployed overseas. Yeah. And I tell America, I said, why do you think they're trying to get it to America? And I said, we live in the greatest nation in the world. Yeah. There's no, no other. So we should not have to lower our standards of the other nations. Well, this country's doing it. Well, that's them. Right. This is America, you know. Yeah. Um, we, we don't bother nobody. And we cannot let, you know, we, we can't. You know, the Bible says train up a child the way to go when they get older and want to depart from their ways, right? So if we don't train up our youth the right way, yeah, it's going to be a lost generation. Right. That's when you got all this chaos and stuff going yeah. on. You know? Well, listen, uh, it sounds like we're pretty uh, pretty like-minded. It's really nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you this parting thought, and it's kind of weird. Um, you know, my grandfather was a West Texas cattleman yeah. who became a sheriff down in Arizona. I heard language when I was growing up. It's uh, not not cool anymore. It wasn't cool then, but it was the times. Uh, my dad was, you know, his son. <laughs> I'm three generations out from uh, a lawman of the South. Oh man, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and uh, he married a woman, and uh, she was from Alabama. And I'm sorry, from Mississippi. They opened the first integrated restaurant in Chandler, Arizona, because she insisted, much to his disapproval, uh, Indians, blacks, Mexicans, right. whites, all eating in the same place. Um, I kind of was raised and heard, and I just figured I was this awful, must be a racist asshole. And the Trump first campaign came along, and then COVID happened. And then Trump started bringing up immigrants talking about what was going on in their lives. And right. he started bringing up people from, it actually was a rally, I believe it was here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I heard a guy from Uganda get up and he talked about his business being shut down from COVID. And what I found out was, is like, I'm kind of a classist. I'm, 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 uh, I have, I heard all of this kinship to immigrants and black people and all different kinds of backgrounds that I've been kind of isolated from. Right, right. Um, and w what I found out was I, I don't like lazy people. I'm really like prejudiced against lazy. Um, I heard this guy from Uganda talk about his family's business and uh, it sounded like me. Yeah. He sounded like me. He didn't look anything like me. Right. And I said, oh, he's like, a, feels like a brother to me. Uh, and if you listen to your typical 55-year-old white lady, she sounds nothing like me. Right. And I was prejudiced against her. So it was kind of a weird, like COVID changed my polarity yeah. a little bit. And so I'm pretty plain spoken. I'm super comfy talking about race, which makes lots of white people yeah. super squeamish. And, uh, and I just think the country's way better than we get credit for. Um, I think people are way better than they're given credit for. You're absolutely right. And uh, I just choose to have this really optimistic, like, things are awesome now. They've been shitty in the past, and they're probably going to get better, but we got to be aware of yes, it. Yes, we do. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm really thankful for you coming and spending a few minutes talking with me. I enjoyed it, Greg. I Pleasure. enjoyed it, man. Pleasure. Well, uh, hopefully I'll see you next year at Plate Show. I'll be here, brother. All right. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for the invite, Greg. Yes, sir. All right, sports fans, that's your show. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and Rumble. Appreciate you being here. It's the Greg Medford Show. I'm Greg, and I am out.